All right, folks, welcome in. It's been a while since I've done one of these. I don't even remember how to start them. But we're talking horse racing. Boom, boom, boom. Sign, hit the sirens. Woo! Uh, horses running around in circles. There's, uh, there's very few games that are fun as that. And uh, we're talking, of course, Breeders' Cup. Uh, got a lot of friends on the show. Craig Malkowski coming up. Nick Tamro, Nikki the Boss, going to be coming up. But we lead off with our friend, uh, a guy who's, you know, if you've listened to this show, you know this man. You, you, you're going to recognize the voice. And uh, let me tell you, the mental image of this guy right now, he is like, whew. If you've ever seen Point Break, he looks like Keanu Reeves right now in Point Break. He is my good friend, Tyler Hoffman. Tyler, how are you? I'm doing great, too. That might be the warmest introduction you have ever given me. Obviously, you're going soft in your, in your old age over there. I am. I am. Uh, it's, it's been a while. I've had a birthday, and I've, I've had a daughter, and, and I'm, I'm reflecting. I'm reflecting on past transgressions, and I want to be the first to apologize. Well, I want to say, first and foremost, that fatherhood looks great on you. You have oh, two wonderful you. and beautiful kids. You think with the little ones running through the house and looking all cute and stuff, they give you some good luck for your picks. I've been seeing what you've been doing in the sports world, and you know, actually, you haven't embarrassed yourself. So, congratulations hey, to you. We're, on we're that. at fifty-five percent for college football. College football show coming out tomorrow. As you're listening to this, uh, doing okay. But uh, speaking of kids, um, so did you get that at Baby Gap? If so, they got sales going on. What's going on with that shirt? This shirt I've had for many, many years. Oh, it's a so shirt it's I can a wear to the track. It's, probably... it's one I can wear to client meetings. This, Ooh, this is a this, this shirt is, is custom. Oh hush. Oh okay. Can we can we focus on giving us winner than you folks in the entire? Is that possible? And, uh, well, no, we we don't do this on on the YouTube's. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe one day if I if I'm not lazy, uh, Tyler. I know you're a guru when it comes, you don't know much. You don't know baseball teams. You don't know good basketball teams. You got no clue, but you know your horses when they run in circles. Uh, so I wanted to bring you on Friday, Breeders' Cup. Is there, and I'm doing something different. And I want to get your, before we even dive into Breeders' Cup, look, I don't know how many different, uh, horse racing podcasts are. I feel like there's like 8,000. That's probably, all do the that's same probably an underestimate. And I'm guilty of it where it's like, Tyler, uh, let's break down the late pick uh, five here at uh, Del Mar. No, we're not doing that. I'm not doing that anymore. It's annoying and it's time consuming and nobody's got 45 minutes to break down every single race. Well, a few people do, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, here, what we're going to do today, hey, just asking some smart people, hey, you know, is there a race you like? Is there a horse you like? Is there a vulnerable favorite? And we're going to ask some gurus of the turf and the dirt to do it. Uh, Tyler, Friday, um, what do you got? Is there, is there anything that jumped off to you off the pages? Historically speaking, the Friday at Breeders' Cup is probably the most difficult set of Breeders' Cup races because generally it's all the babies. You've got a lot of European imports uh, and all the turf racing. So it's a, it's a big puzzle to put together. 
for this show, I wanted to kind of dive into the sprint, and that is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, which is race six on the card, the very first Breeders' Cup race, because I think it's one of the most challenging races on the card, and yet it's something that I know pretty well at Delmar, in that the five front turf sprints at Delmar all summer long were dominated by inside post positions. So that's one thing I feel very confident in sharing and saying that it's something I can hang my hat on of where I want to look in this race. So when I'm analyzing this particular race, and it's a 14-horse field, obviously two also eligible, so it'll be down to 12 by the time post-time hits. We've got a favorite in one of the three Wesley Ward fillies in here. That's number eight, Averly Jane, who is undefeated to start her career. She set the stakes record, the Indian Summer Stakes at Keeneland. No doubt about it is, is a deserving favorite, but she's breaking from an outside post position. And I think there's other speed in here, including from her other stable mate, Twilight Gleaming, number six. So I think that she's vulnerable in this spot just because of the field size and because of her post position. Now, going back to my earlier comment about inside post positions being so valuable, I'm looking at the inside three post positions to be specific. The two European imports, number one, Twilight Jet, and the number three, Go Bears Go, as well as the third, Wesley Ward Philly, who's probably the forgotten one in here, and the highest price in the morning line, hint, hint, number two, Coffee Maker. Coffee Maker last time ran in the Indian Summer Stakes against Averly Jane, and while it doesn't show anything in the PP comment, just says Save Ground Rail Rally, I thought this was a very indecisive ride by Rod Ortiz last time. And in fact, around the far turn, this one actually kind of took an inside, I don't know what you did, got spooked by something and bounced off the rail, believe it or not. It doesn't show up at all. Ended up re-rallying up the rail and got second late and behind the, uh, her stablemate, Everly Jane, who set a stakes record that day. And I just think it's kind of forgotten in here. She's going to set a good trip. I expect Jose this time, who takes over from his brother, to be aggressive early on for positioning and try to ride that pocket trip in behind her stablemates. If she can, and, and hopefully she gets out at the top of the stretch, I definitely think that at 12 to 1, she provides pretty good value on the morning line and probably goes off higher than that come Friday. The other two European imports, I'm totally guessing on. Um, this is simply the fact that from a post position standpoint, they, in theory, could be sitting good trips while they'll be saving ground. Uh, Johnny V, when he rode at Del Mar into the 2017 Brewers Cup, had a terrific Brewers Cup. So I'm looking at those three runners and the coffee makers, my number one pick, because at least I know where she's going to be and the trip that I think she's going to get. I like that, man. Uh, going against the grain, he's going to give you a bomb. They call him Tyler the Bomb Hoffman. Uh, certainly not. Nobody calls me that. <laughs> well, some people do. I do. Thank you. I didn't know that was my new nickname. You're welcome. Oh, by the way, I never told you this. Around the turn, remember the, the, uh, the last around the turn we did together? Mm -hmm. We had we had a uh, tie between you and Spencer Luganville. Yep. Uh, and I never told you guys who won that. Nope, you never did. Ah. Uh. Did I lose? All I lose right. So we're gonna head over to Craig Mokowski and uh, Nikki the boss. Tyler's gonna be back. He's gonna look, he's got something for Saturday planned. Um, and we'll be back right after these words. If you like the StuCast, you might want to check out what's going on over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com and on the In The Money Media Network. We've got a whole bunch of podcasts devoted to horse racing from the player development side to the week-in, week-out gambling side to the horseman side. There's going to be a show for you. Come check us out, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, and we look forward to seeing you there.
All right, joined at this time by uh, a friend of this show, a friend of mine, a guy we haven't had on for a minute. Uh, he is the face that runs a place at Time Form US. He's a guru of speed figures. Some call him smart. I call him eh. He is the great Craig Milkowski. Craig, I, I'm so happy to finally be uh, on on a Zoom call with you, chatting with you. It's it's been too long, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. And before we even start, I want to apologize for my my off air comment about uh, not having even combed my hair and still having bedhead because I, I realized looking at you, that's probably a sore spot with you. It's tough, uh, but you know this was an active decision. I'm bald uh by choice uh you know it was the hairline was receding and i said you know what we're just we're pulling out all the measures and we're just gonna take it out yeah i saw that seinfeld episode too though you know where the <laughs> lane sees okay. the guy's driver's license and, and wants him to grow his hair back and it, it just doesn't come back quite the same so we'll, we'll see well it's never coming back that's the good part. Uh, <laughs> how's things with you, man? I, I see you. I mean, you're like living living the life. Did you strike oil somewhere? You got courtside seats at the Thunder Games. You're you're uh, hobnobbing with big wigs like David Aragona. I mean, you're living the life. Yeah, I got, uh, as you know, I donated a kidney to my daughter and she in turn went and got herself a, a really nice job with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And that had some perks. So, yeah, I was sitting uh, about as close as it looks like me and you are on this Zoom call to your buddy LeBron. Uh, he was he was in street clothes, so he, he decided to sit out that game. And, you know, it's the only game our Thunder were, haven't been able to win. They kind of blew one last night. But that's to be expected when you got a bunch of teenagers playing grown men. I'm sure you were hitting up LeBron for Space Jam 2 Inside Info. I know that's uh, your movie. I got to tell you, I've never seen it, but believe it or not, I've never really seen the first one either. I mean, I saw bits and pieces of it, but uh, I've never sat down and watched even the original Space Jam. So I'm certainly not watching the second one because I am no LeBron James fan. So I'm just going to let you know, you need you need to probably seek treatment, seek help. <laughs> if you haven't seen the original Space Jam, that's that's really sad. Well, you know, that came out in that time in life where there were more important things going on. I think I was about 20 years old, you know, and I wasn't a big sit around, watch the movies kind of guy. You were more of a sit around and pretend like you're serving the country kind of guy in the <laughs> Air Force, right? Yeah, that's where I was at the time, fixing air conditioners, I believe, for the most part. Uh, Gotta fix you know. those AC units. I'll tell you yep. what, I mean, no. if the air conditioning is off, in the Air Force, I think, I mean, they, they shut it down. Yeah, you're not kidding there. Uh, I can <laughs> remember uh, we would get calls for load shedding when it was really hot in New Jersey and have to go around to all the supposed non-critical buildings and turn their air conditioning off, like the Officers Club and the NCO Club. And, and you'd have thought we were just closing the base. You know what? Uh -huh. you, you really hate to see that. You really do. <laughs> and we got a big game coming up, Army Air Force this weekend. Uh, Air Force actually favored in the game. 
Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, Army gave up what a seventy pack to to Wake Forest, who uh, I know. I mean, is it's like one of the best offenses in the country. I mean, ah, we'll see. I mean, you can only play Duke for so many times. I mean, you know, Duke <laughs> and whoever the heck else is left. That place just hadn't been the same since my beloved Maryland Terps left. You know what? Uh, stay tuned. We're going to have more on that game tomorrow. <laughs> on the college football pick'em show. Uh, but, you know, it, to your point, I think what you're failing to realize is that Army is considered the world's greatest, right? Uh, they're undefeated. Referees have won a couple games from them. Um, they should have beat Wake. They, I mean, they're really undefeated team, if you look at it. If you take out the refs and you take out some of the cheating, because they played schools that cheat, and Army doesn't cheat. I mean, they're undefeated. Hey, I generally root for the service academy, so I got no knocks against the Army. I, but like I I've sadly, told you before, you know, when I, I got the Poid places, they sent you guys in there to, to clean things out for us, for us smart guys. You know, yeah, so well, that's, you know, uh, we're, we we're have out there complaints. taking bullets and you're sitting in the chairs. It's true. And, and I agree. I root for the service academies, too, except for Nate. All right. Uh, it's Breeders' Cup week. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been very liberal with, you know, the folks we've had on so far. Uh, Nikki the Boss, uh, Tyler Hoffman, Degenerate Gamblers from New Jersey. I've been very liberal with, like, what, what do you feel like? Um, and that's my real question, because I feel like w you listen to a lot of these shows and it's like, well, Craig, let me let me uh, see what you think on the late pick five. Let's go over it race by race. But I'm always curious as a listener, and I'm most curious in this situation, what's interesting to you? I mean, the card grew yesterday. I mean, you've had a few hours to look at it. What are some of the things that are really interesting to you, either from race shape or post position or just in general, you know, uh, a six-horse field in multiple races. What's interesting to Craig Mokowski? Well, I'll be honest. Normally, I mean, these are my two favorite days of the year as a better. I, I dig into these cards. I think there's some really good money-making opportunities. So that's generally my focus. This year, it's a little bit different. I, I wasn't overwhelmed by the card. I, I think we have some, some awesome horses running this weekend, especially on Saturday. But I think there's a lot of layups that just aren't going to pay much. So as a guy that makes a living making speed figures, I'm actually really just kind of looking forward to seeing how some of these horses run, like a, a Jackie's Warrior, a Life is Good, seeing if Latruska can win. Now, don't get me wrong, I'll be making some, some bets for sure. But normally my focus is on Saturday, whereas this year I think it's going to be more in the Friday direction with the juveniles because I think there's some – some wide open races and people are always confused more when you have less running lines. And of course that's what you're going to get with two year olds. So I, I think I'm going to be looking to make scores on Friday and Saturday is, and this really isn't me normally, but it's going to be more of a fan fanboy type day and see just which horses show up and how fast they run. With that, when you look at Friday and, and you, you're identifying some fields that are of interest to you. What are you looking for? Is it just vulnerable favorites or are you just looking for, do you feel like you got a, 
edge on the dirt or the turf. And again, time form US, um, not because Craig's here, but I use it. I'll, I'll be buying it this week when I sit down to actually handicap when, when uh, I get that hour a week where the kids are asleep. Um, meth heads, children are meth heads, don't have it. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's really useful, and especially in situations like this, to tell you class levels and, and, and uh, pace ratings. And it's monumental in a week like this. What are you looking for, though? In these races, I, I'm looking to the turf races for a little bit different reasons. I, I don't think the dirt races are as great this year. As you mentioned, one of them only has six horses on Friday, going to have a prohibitive favorite. The juvenile has a bigger field, but it's also going to have a pretty prohibitive favorite in uh, Jack Christopher. So I like the turf races. And what I really like is what time form from the UK provides us because there's just so many Euro shippers. And a lot of people are going to feel like it's a crapshoot. And a lot of times they use the wrong ones or latch on to the wrong ones. So I recommend uh, using Timeform US and really reading these comments because these are not your typical US chart comments, which are a sentence or two. It's a real abbreviated version of what happened. You literally don't have to watch the replays a lot of times if you read these Timeform comments. Now, I'm a stickler. I still go watch a lot of the replays anyway, but I just love the kind of narrative they give. And it really tells you like the running style, what the trainer thinks, what kind of footing they handle, which is big when they're coming over to a course like Del Mar, which we know is going to be firm uh, for these two-year-olds, whether they're going to like more or less distance if they're turning back or stretching out. So I just really dig into the time form stuff. If there's a favorite you like the most and maybe a long shot that you think is worthwhile looking into. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to just say, just give me one if you have more, but I'm just going to open it up very broadly. Are there ones that come to mind to you? Well, I don't see personally how Jackie's warrior could lose a sprint on Saturday. Um, He's going to be the favorite, but he's just been better than everybody this year, barring something happening out of the gate uh, or just going wrong during the race. If he runs his race, he's just faster than everybody else. And you could probably see, say the same again about life is good, and that's even a little bit of a weaker field. But he does face at least some pace competition in there. So I would say Jackie's Warrior is the favorite. I suspect it is really in it to win it. Uh, he's going to be really tough to beat. Uh, one of the races I've done well over the years with price horses is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. It hasn't been around very long, but I've been able to cash some nice tickets, some big exactas on that one. This year, I really like one of the Euro shippers in armor. He's uh, trained by uh, Richard Hannon, going to be ridden by Ryan Moore, one of the best riders coming over from Europe. And he's just one, he's six to one on the morning line who it's really tough to say how these races are going to get back, but I think he'll be every bit of that. And if you watch his replay from his last race, he had real trouble. He has nice time form ratings. Uh, he doesn't like soft ground. He definitely runs his best races on firm ground. So in the very first Breeders' Cup race of the weekend, he's the one I'm going to be keying on. Shockingly, uh, Craig goes with a turf sprint for a long shot. That's a race we know. Uh, historically, you know, a lot of short prices in a turf sprint. 
very easy to uh, handicap, of course. Uh, Craig, you, I imagine this week is going to be super busy for you. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people link up with you? Yeah, they're going to keep David, your, your buddy, David Aragona. Uh, so you can He's get a match. Your, uh, Did I tell you I, met, I, I uh, was hanging out with him at uh, Saratoga? I did not know that, but Lovely I'm going to inquire guy. about it. Oh, man. Yeah. No, he is the best. Me and him yeah. were adapted up. He gave me, I mean, he, I think David might have been, grow, he might have grew up in the streets because he gave me some, yeah, I think he flashed a game sign in it, but, you know, David's, David's the best. He's a really good guy. Yeah, I'm going to have to get your address. I got a David Aragona bobblehead doll that I'm going to get made up just for you. <laughs> Thank and, you and send it to you for the podcast but uh no we're actually we we do have quite a bit going on this week we're going to record uh three race race replays today uh all on some of the friday races we're going to do five more tomorrow then we're going to do our usual podcast on thursday the time form us forecast we're going to do it a little, little bit different we're not going to try to cover 14 breeders cup races if that's even the number anymore uh we're just kind of uh, almost a extended version of what you did we're going to talk about favorites that we think or singles favorites we think are vulnerable and just throw out some long shots that we think are going to run well. So as you know, I'm, I'm more a vertical guy than a horizontal guy. I, I, the chances of me being right four or five times in a row are slim and none. So I try to, to pick my spots. Down. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I can count on one hand, the pick fours and pick fives I've hit. And I don't play them a lot, to be honest, because I, I'm just not mentally cut out for, for being right four out of five and not getting paid, you know, unless you're at Kingland or something where they pay four out of five. Uh, but yeah, so for the most part, I'm a vertical guy. I'm going to look for some long shots to fill in those underneath slot, slots behind horses I like. But anyway, to where, where I can be found on Twitter, I'm at TimeformUSFigs. And then all the stuff we do for DRF, it can be found on the DRF YouTube channel. Well, I mean, you're the Prince of Remington Park, so I'm sure we're going to have you on as college football season wanes and as college basketball season's going. We're going we're gonna to have to supplement with something. Remington Park analysis from Craig Malkowski. I smell a hit. Yeah, we got the uh, springboard mile coming up. So I had a nice uh, Oklahoma Derby day this year. I actually cashed quite a few tickets, which Thank, doesn't always happen. Up, when, uh, you didn't give me a call, man. What can, what can I tell you? Yeah, I got I blown we off were... or probably that Hoffman guy or something was on that day. And Ah, uh, that guy. Know, I was... Oh, my God. I just fade him. Anything he says, I fade yep. But yeah, so Springboard Mile, look me up if you got a time. That's usually at the end of the meet in the middle of December. So I will definitely be there that day, barring some kind of weather catastrophe. But, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be there. You heard it here first, folks. The son of Oklahoma, the pride and joy of Stillwater, Craig Mokowski, Time Form US. Craig, thank you again for coming on. We'll be chatting in uh about a month or so then, huh? Yeah, sounds good, man. And don't forget, I'm Baltimore born and bred. That That's where they love, <laughs> yeah. me, the, that's where they love me the most. <laughs> All right, we'll see. Uh, we'll be right back after this.
What's going on? It's Matt Bernier from the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. Be sure to join us every Monday, occasionally Tuesdays, but for the most part, every Monday. However you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's YouTube, you name it, you can find it a million different places, including InTheMoneyPodcast.com. It's the Matt Bernier Show. Anything and everything to do with the world of horse racing. All right, joined now by the boss. He is Nikki the boss. He is your track announcer at Sam Houston Racecourse. Uh, I mean, look, folks, if you want to talk about the creme de la creme, this is it. Nick freaking Tamro. Nick, congrats. So good to see you again. So good to talk to you. Uh, it, it's a friendship that... Um, I'll be honest, you know, a few years ago, and I think that I said this before we first chatted on this show, uh, you're a guy that I learned the game through to be friends with you, to have a good conversation with you. Um, it, it means a lot. So thank you for coming on, man. And it's, uh, it's great to see it. And you're losing, you're losing some weight, brother. What, what, what kind of thing are you on? I probably just repositioned it, but um, I'm not going to have you. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find it at some point, but um, no, that's well, very, very kind of you to say. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, I've learned over the years, it's a hell of a lot more fun and, and easy to put it on than take it off. But um, no, that's very kind of you. It's very nice of you to say, and the pleasure's all mine. I'm glad to join you. I feel a lot better this time around because I'm not delaying you and Craig and Tyler like I did uh, after that interminable uh, PTF uh, dinner in, uh, in June. Cost you, look, it'll go down as one of the worst botches because you had it in the bag because those guys are the worst yeah craig and tyler hoffman oh my god they're on this show as well but i mean god oof you know tough you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah <laughs> that's all you to need to it. say that's all you need to say <laughs> yeah i uh big week in the bcbc going on a lot i know tyler's playing in it um uh breeders cup week is always super big uh you're a contest guy so you you innately understand these kinds of situations and you have a, a unique approach which i think a lot of people like are drawn to your commentary on because you're you're thinking about the game in a contest format somewhat from time to time how, how do you approach a big week like this this is like the super bowl how, how do you walk into it because when you when I pull up the PPs and granted I'm not anywhere near your level, I start looking at it and I go, okay, well, in each race I have 15 horses. Even in the six horse race, I got <laughs> 15 horses. How how do you approach this week as far as handicapping and, and putting things together? You know, it's a daunting task, right? And the pre-entries coming out as early as they do is a big advantage because it gives you the opportunity to start to kind of slice and dice the fields a bit and make a plan for how you're going to handicap. And so the way I've always done it is I go through and do all the work on the European horses first. And, um, you know, now the availability of podcasts with Nick Locke and various information around the internet and, and, and everywhere else is a lot more plentiful than it was, you know, eight or 10 years ago, or, I mean, I'm old enough to remember my dad bringing home the Breeders' Cup pre-entry PPs in the 90s and sitting and pouring over them for, for a week and trying to do a race or two a night. That was back when it was seven or eight races. You know, now it's, it's what, 
14. So you've got a lot of work to do to be prepared. But, um, you know, I was, uh, I was actually texting with, uh, with a guy who's playing in the, the BCBC who qualified this year. And I told him I qualified for the first time nine years ago. And I was so naive when it came to live money tournaments and, you know, the, 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 I sort of explain it to people by saying that they, they say to you that, you know, when you throw a ball, treat it like an extension of your hand. But I tell people that are playing in these tournaments, especially ones that have qualified, don't treat that like your money because it's not your money. It's not your money until the last bet's been made or the last race has been run. And if you're playing it because you're concerned about whether you're going to preserve that bankroll, then you're not, you're absolutely dead meat. Like you're, you're a dead fish, you know, you're going to, and if you want to just go through and make show bets and cash it out because you could use the money, great. You know, if you qualified, but otherwise, if you're really trying to win, you cannot treat that like, you know, like counted money because you will be um, your fodder for the likes of, you know, last year's one, two finishers who were two of my dear friends, Marshall Graham and Jonathan Kinchin, because I can guarantee you those two don't play like it's their money. And I think that their approach in that sense is, is some might view it as reckless, but it's the only way to win. JK is literally out for blood in contests. Like, I feel like he's so good in contests. I'm wondering if he does some sort of, like, Aztec ritual, like, taking out the heart of somebody. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's insane. But, like, that killer instinct you're saying, how, for, the, for us that, that aren't going to be playing in, in a contest scenario, how do you get that killer instinct going into – your pps because i like from my point of view when i hear you say that i'm like okay i need to delve i I need to zero in on maybe not one horse but two or three and i have to be just resolute that like okay these two or three in a horizontal come forth through for me or like in a vertical maybe there's one that i i can really key around Is that what you have to do or is there a different approach that you would uh, advocate? Oh yeah. I mean, that's the, that's step one, right? Is you've got to, you've really got to iron out what your biggest opinions are. And um, I mean, in a lot of cases, the easiest way, the best way is to work backwards and figure out what you're going to do in the classic. You know, I've cashed in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge twice. One time I hit the last race, one time I didn't. And the time when I didn't, I had hit a lot of races before that. So I had worked myself into position, but I mean, you need to, it's, it's, it's very much like, but it's unlike a regular day at the track because you need to identify your strongest opinions and then you need to pound them. I mean, you need to make sure that you're betting them very effectively. So, you know, I, because I'm, I'm sort of a, of a geek for it, I went through the bets that the successful players and even some of the unsuccessful players made in last year's Breeders' Cup betting challenge. And I eagerly look forward to doing it in a couple of weeks just to kind of get a sense of what they did. And, and you know, what you're going to find is, the same thing you would find if you sat down with guys like Paul Matisse and Mike Maloney and Duke Matisse that have made a living betting on horse racing, you're going to find precision. I mean, they're going to be very, very precise in how they bet. Um, you're not going to see a lot of wasted exacta boxes. You're probably not going to see any exacta boxes at all. Um, you're going to see, you know, big bets of sometimes even relatively simple combinations that they're trying to really just hammer home. And, you know, Marshall and Jonathan each bet their entire bankroll at, uh, last year in the distaff on Monomoy Girl. And they did that independently. I mean, they did not discuss it ahead of time. Um, 
I mean, Jonathan had, I think, a little bit more money then, so he probably wouldn't have cared if Marshall knew. But uh, that's a risk that a lot of people aren't going to take, you know, and I know that I can't take that risk. I would never I would never make a bet like that. But um, when I've been more successful, I've been willing to put forth a big amount of money to try and get a, you know, a pretty sizable return. And so that's that's basically what you're trying to do. Jonathan, without getting into a tremendous amount of detail or giving away, you know, how the sausage is made, so to speak. But Jonathan makes a lot of Dutch daily doubles that are small combinations. So, I mean, he might do a two by three daily double, uh, you know, even a, an eight by one or something like that. If he really likes, he does kind of tend towards some of the chalkier horses. So, but he'll do those for huge denominations. And, you know, you might have a, you know, five or $6,000 Dutch on a situation like life is good with, um, I don't remember which turf race is right after it, but, you know, with, let's say, Ar Adaria and love and, and another horse, so that's the kind of bet he'd make. So um, if it's chalky on Saturday, you might see his name drifting up the leaderboard because he's going to bet those horses. And he's going to bet them hard. And I'd be remiss. There's so many guys and I'm blessed in this situation. I get to root for a ton of dudes and I feel like you're the same way. You have to root for a ton of guys that are good dudes that we're friends with and have affiliations with. So um, best of luck to everybody in the BCBC this weekend um, that we like. And there's certain yeah, people exactly. we don't like. Um, I, I certainly don't like people that play with crystals. Anyway, so uh, Nikki the Boss, look, I, you're my guru. You're my guru of go. I've been following you. Saratoga was great. I, I didn't make a bet without consulting uh, your work on inthemoneymedia.com. Um, I think that's the inthemoneyplayerspodcast.com. I don't know. Pete needs to shorten that .com. Yeah. But um, looking at your plays during the during the meet, really helpful how you saw things. Uh, coming into this weekend, we got, I mean, general consensus is, Friday is going to be a lot nicer than Saturday. What are some spots maybe on Friday? We'll, we'll just look at Friday. What are some spots that you like or maybe don't like? Maybe you're just like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to be staying away from this spot or, or maybe some horses that you think got a shot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think from, from top to bottom, the races on Friday look like they could yield some uh, less formful results, which could lead to some bigger prices. It does look like, you know, Saturday is, is a potentially a huge procession of chalky horses. And we've never seen Breeders' Cup races really look this chalky on paper. You know, I don't, I don't have a particularly strong opinion in the juvenile turf sprint. It looks like a race that, that should have a pretty strong pace. I imagine that Avery Lee Jane and one-timer will really hook up early. You know, one of the, one of the horses that I'm, there's really one horse on Friday that I'm really looking forward to betting. And it's in the last race um, on the rail, modern games. I, I, I like modern games quite a bit for Charlie Appleby, who's uh, coming in off a win last time out in the Somerville at Newmarket and uh, two starts back. He won a, a handicap race at, uh, at Doncaster and he's actually got a good good amount of early speed and you know, Charlie Appleby won this race with Line of David back in 2018 he uh, also won it with Outstrip in 2013 so he has a very good sense of what kind of horse to bring over and uh, I think this one is just ideally positioned in every sense of it so I'm going to try and, and make my multi-race bets end with modern games and uh, and see if that's a way to potentially make some money on Friday leading into it 
Uh, obviously, Jack Christopher is the horse to beat in the juvenile. I don't have a particularly big opinion against him. I'm a little concerned, like everybody else, seemingly about distance limitations. Uh, he was noticeably shortening stride late in the champagne. But, you know, everybody has to understand that a horse that gets involved in the kind of pace that he did is entitled to. So uh, he took a horse like Gunite, who was coming off a grade one win and completely buried him. So he's a very, very talented horse drawing the rail. I don't think they have many opportunities other than to just go, go, go. I have a horse in there that I'm going to fool around with who's going to be a, a relative decent price and, and that's the four papa cap and you know in looking back and doing some of the work at the time and then doing some work on it afterwards the inside was very very good on opening day at Santa Anita it extended pretty much through opening weekend and papa cap was two to three to four wide really the whole way around there and he's a horse who I think is gradually moving forward if you're a thoroughgraph user he's pretty much in the ballpark of Jack Christopher and uh, and and that to me is is at least enough rationale to try and include him. So if somehow I can, I can hit a pop a cap, a modern games double, I'll certainly have a pretty good feeling about Friday. Sounds like an episode from the wire, but uh, I'll ask you this. Uh, and I'm happy that I got a smirk. You're, you're well-versed in the wire. The wire's greatest TV show ever. If you haven't Absolutely. seen it, go watch it. Um, it, with the Euros coming over, I made a ton of money on Char just betting Charlie Appleby in New York this year. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> surprisingly, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't believe some of the prices I was getting on his horses. He's a great horseman over in England. Um, and, and he's starting to assert himself with real, with a real force over here in the States. Uh, how do you, how are you, viewing some of these trainers from Europe because we've seen you know the French runners come over and and um have some success Sudois comes to mind uh Aiden O'Brien not as it's a sexy name not as much success as you would expect Charlie seems like a guy that like his barn's just always ready to go yeah, you know, and I was talking to a friend of mine today who said that he was listening to, to the Charlie Appleby interview and he was making comments about modern games specifically and how he's a horse who likes firmer ground. And, you know, I think it's about understanding American racing. And I think that some of the European connections are a little dismissive of American racing. And so they don't spend probably a lot of time studying it or what it takes to win. And a guy like Appleby obviously does. I mean, when you win two mid-season grade ones, like the Just a Game and the Diana with horses that he clearly identified early were suited to American, uh, an American style race, uh, probably a quicker pace over a firmer turf course, then that takes a lot of the guesswork out. And so I think one of the reasons why European participation is so high when the event is run in the West Coast is because, you know, you're getting fast ground. And, you know, I remember trudging through the rain in 2007 to go to the train station to get on the train after the, the Friday card at Monmouth. And I was talking to a guy who was Irish and, and we were talking about Dylan Thomas, who was going to be a pretty heavy favorite in the Breeders' Cup turf. And I said, uh, well, I mean, it shouldn't be a problem if the, the ground isn't that fast, right? And he said, oh, no, no, they want fast ground if they're over here. So, you know, I've always remembered that, that it's, it's foolish to just assume that, you know, they're here, they can do pretty much whatever because they're used to running on it there. And, and, and I think without going on, you know, on a tangent about this, I think Appleby really gets it. I think Appleby knows what kind of horses belong here. Um, I mean, some of those performances that his horses at Woodbine put forth, like Walton Street and Wild Beauty, uh, they were very, very impressive. I mean, Albar ran really well, too, to win the, the summer, but um, he's he's got it figured out. He, he went on a, what, like a, a, a five-day stretch between Belmont and Woodbine, where he won, I think, four grade ones. 
So, well, in the race of Belmont wasn't a grade one, but it was effectively a grade one in terms of it will be in a couple of years. So, yeah, he he really he's very, very good. And uh, even the little bit that I followed Dubai over the years, that became pretty clear pretty quickly. I, I like me some Charlie Appleby. I, I'll always be a soccer form. Uh, Saturday. Big day. I mean, we got college football. You got thrust into the nonsense that is that college football show we do over here with the degenerates over there. Oh, my God. I'm sorry about that again. Um, some Braves fans. Looked like a hell of a lot of fun. It is. If you like losing money and, and swearing, it's a lot of fun. Um, well, I've spent enough time at the racetrack to know that I'm fond of both. <laughs> well, yeah, we're funding a lot of sports books over here. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this. Saturday seems like it seems like the, the complete opposite to Friday. Tell me if I'm wrong. As a better, I'm just looking at the cards. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, Friday I'm really jazzed up for. But Saturday it's just kind of like, eh. You know, I know there's spots to make money. I know, I know if you're right, you can be right. Like you were saying earlier, you can Dutch some things and, and play, play some big doubles, get a little aggressive and make some decent cash. Saturday, where are you going? I think what you have to do on Saturday and the tricky thing, and, and I, I kind of, I wanted to see what everybody was thinking, even though Twitter's not necessarily a real place, but I wanted to see what everybody was thinking. And I, and I tweeted yesterday and said, okay, so there's going to be these four enormous favorites on Saturday. And I mean, to me, anything other seven under seven to five in the Breeders' Cup is an enormous favorite. We just don't see that very often. So you're going to have four of them on Saturday, and they're basically going to be run in races four, six, eight, and 10. So they're going to be consecutive more or less for, you know, for many purposes. And uh, I think a lot of people are just, they take the natural approach of, well, I have to try and beat them. It's the Breeders' Cup. Why would I use a favorite? And, you know, in all likelihood, two of those four are going to win, right? It's probably a question of whether a third one wins and nobody's exactly going to be bowled over if all four wins. So the, the question becomes, is there money to be made if all four of them win? And I think undoubtedly there is. It's just going to be a matter of really sifting through those uh, more difficult and more deep and contentious turf races that get you to the to the back end of the card. So I'm going to I'm going to focus the majority of my attention on Saturday on the late pick five, and um, and I'm going to. I don't want to say I'm going to try and beat Latruska, but I'm going to be most open to her being the most vulnerable favorite. So I really, I spent a lot of time and I, and I wrote up something in, uh, in Steve Bick's wagering guide, which is available for free on his website um, on the, on the Breeders' Cup Sprint. And I mean, I was on a mission to find the alternative that I wanted to Jackie's Warrior. And it became clear after spending a great amount of time on it that there is no alternative to Jackie's Warrior. He's, he's going, in my opinion, he's going to win. So, you know, that doesn't mean that it's a bad situation. You then have the Breeders' Cup Mile immediately afterwards, which looks like a tremendously competitive edition of it. You know, our guy, Charlie Appleby, very well represented with Space Blues, who comes in off the, the Prix de la Forêt, which, you know, most people might not remember that that's the race that Goldakova prepped in every year. That has been one of the most influential Breeders' Cup Mile preps in Europe, year in and year out, and the seven eighths at at Longchamp, which they'd probably kill me for referring to it as seven eights, but um, the 1400 meters, I should say, sets you up very well to go an American mile. Um, so, you know, you, ha you have that as the second leg and 
I think there are other opportunities in that race to potentially use both blowout and smooth like straight who are going to get really favorable trips towards the front end of what might be a somewhat moderate pace. Uh, I think Pearl's Galore is very dangerous as well, having run well in the in the matron two starts back and, and in the 4A last time out behind a space blues. And then that takes you into the distaff where I'm going to try and, and really get on top of what my one of my stronger opinions is, was I really like Royal Flag in the distaff. And you know, Royal Flag is a horse that I... Uh, I didn't care for much in, in, in past years and, you know, going all the way back to her winning the turn back the alarm last year on uh, right around the breeders cup. I thought, you know, this is a horse that just had so much potential early in her career and she hasn't panned out. And I think Chad Brown with the, the additional time and the fact that she got a little bit older and she's gotten a little bit better. I think he's really got her figured out. And I think the bell dame was a, was a very underrated performance. So, you know, I know that, with Tarnawa and domestic spending and Tiona in the turf. And then the classic for me is, is basically hot rod, Charlie and essential quality. Then I know I can kind of get through that pick five, really trying to, to hone in on, on Royal flag by playing a relatively moderate ticket. And that doesn't happen that often in the breeders cup, but you know, that's, that's an opportunity to, to hit it a few times. And if your opinions are good, this is a day where you're going to make a lot of money. Well, you sold me. I'm going to put my child's uh, college fund on it. All $24.50. <laughs> I was going to say, I think mine is about $62.50. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's It's been a tough year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, lo I love where your head's at with that. I think, uh, I think that presents a very... Because for me, like you were saying, when you have some short prices... Yeah, I mean, you're going to eat some chalk, but you, you can get real creative in the other spots. And, and you know, not every horse race, uh, you know, is it goes designed to plan. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and these, you know, look, there were a number of pretty short price favorites in the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar in 2017. Now, granted, the races were a lot more competitive on paper than some of those pretty short price favorites were in, but they they pretty much all lost. There was, I think, one of... One of nine favorites under three to one, one, I believe in the, in 2017. So, you know, and there were some big names that went down, right. Uh, unique Bella. And uh, there was a, a short priced favorite. I think separation of powers, relatively short price favorite in the juvenile Phillies. Bolt Doro was a, you know, it was a fait accompli that he was going to win the juvenile and, uh, and he lost. So, you know, it's uh, yeah, life is good. And Jackie's warrior should be really tough. Gamine should be really tough, but it's not going to surprise anybody if one or two of those get beaten. And what you need to do is really handicap the race as if you're trying to find the alternative. And sometimes I've been a public handicapper long enough to know that the first thing you do when you're handicapping a race is assess the favorite. And if you think there's a real alternative to the favorite, then game on. All right, Nikki, the boss, where can people find you? I know you got your hands in a lot of different pots right now. Uh, where can people find you on the day to day, brother? Yeah, in fact, I made my list of Breeders' Cup related responsibilities before we started, and it quickly got to 11 uh, between now and now and Friday. So um, in the moneypodcast.com, that's daily Naira analysis. There's going to be additional work from me uh, this week on uh, Breeders' Cup related stuff. I've got in the Money Plus podcasts on the early pick five for Friday and Saturday that are going to be available tomorrow, starting tomorrow night, tomorrow night and Friday night. Um, Blake Jesse's going to join me tomorrow. Michael Domable on Friday. 
which should be exciting. I'm going to write up and do a little bit of audio work on some exact and trifecta strategies for uh, In the Money, and that'll be on the network as well. Uh, Steve Bick, I'll join tomorrow and Friday. I actually went on yesterday and today to talk about pace scenarios. So if you want to catch the podcast there, um, obviously it's live every morning from 9 to 12 Eastern, and then the podcast is available later on in the day. And I think, uh, oh, and I'm, I'm joining your dear friend, Spencer Lugenbull tomorrow on the Players Podcast for to be the, the Naira guy uh, for the weekend. the human form of a troglodyte. I'll tell you that much <laughs> right now. But he'll be, he'll be on, uh, hopefully, hopefully you can join us this season. Me and him are doing a college basketball show this year. Uh, so he's jumping head first. I, I mean, it's gonna be a big basketball guy being an upstater. That's uh, yeah, it's big, he, big basketball country. I can't get him stopping from talking about LIU Brooklyn, the Sharks. Okay, he, he's oh, just man. all in. I mean, it's no, that's that's big time. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to follow along. I tell myself every year ah, I'm gonna really get into college basketball before the tournament and this and that. And then every year it's mid February, and I'm like, oh yeah, I should watch college basketball. When, when they bring sports betting to Texas you'll get really honed in on how Lamar's doing, okay? Oh, no question about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be be waiting up for the UTSA and Hawaii game uh, so that I can try and get out for the night. I'm, oh, I am man. quite possibly, and, and people act surprised when I tell them this because they think I know what I'm doing with horse racing. I'm probably the worst sports better of all time. I am like a remarkably bad sports better. So, well, and, and it's the crazy thing. I'm a huge sports fan, right? I watch a ton of sports, um, but I am just horrifically bad at it. If, if you're coming on, you know what? We're going to have you on the college football podcast just so you can do some uh, Hawaii slash UTEP slash UTSA. UTSA has got a good team this year. So, yeah, yeah. They do. I They're playing UTEP this week. And by the way, folks, this is big time because UTSA undefeated. I think they're laying 12 in UTEP. Had, UTEP killed me last week with that backdoor cover. Uh, are the Roadrunners your guys? Is that who you who you rep down there? No, I, I'm. Uh, well, I, so the the undergrad for me was at a non football school. I went to a very very small uh, private Catholic school called the University of Dallas that only had a, a rugby team in the in the fall. So we did not. We were not football. Doesn't so Dallas I, does, doesn't Dallas have a baseball team now? Yeah. Uh, University of Dallas has a baseball team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and they're actually not that bad. They're division no, three. They're, they're, they're okay. Like they're competitive. I yeah. Some about them. Yeah. So uh, grad school, I went to U of H. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a coog if anything. Um, so He's flashing game signs. At me, yeah. Folks. Yeah. Hey, you know, Dana Holgerson could back into a 10 and two season this year. That was a good win last week over SMU. All right. Stay tuned folks. Next week, me and Nick Tamro talk about Connor tune and how good he That's is. Right. That's uh, right. <laughs> Uh, Nick, thank you as always, brother. Uh, it's always good to see you. We got to do this more often. Maybe not as much horse racing stuff. Maybe we'll just get you on to make fun of your second place finish in baseball. Sounds great to me. I, hey, any chance to? <laughs> Better than my 24th place finish in baseball. But uh, anyway, uh, catch Nicky the boss everywhere. I'm in the money media. He's doing the Lord's work over there. Thank you, Nick. And we're going to head to Tyler Hoffman to wrap it up. We'll be back right after this. Hello, Derby fans. This is Tom Gallo with Dream Maker Racing, proud sponsor of the Stoopcast. 
Have you ever dreamed of getting your picture taken in the winter circle at racetracks like Saratoga and Belmont Park? Let us get you there through our incredible racehorse partnerships that have been built on years of experience in the industry. Dreammaker Racing is the premier partnership in New York, running New York Reds in the state of New York. From our on-site hospitality, excellent owner communication, and overall incredible experience, we have been able to serve people from all over the world for nearly two decades and get them crazy about horse racing. Stop by our website today, dreammakerracing.com, for more information. We can make your racing dreams come true. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. Thanks to Craig. Thanks to uh, Nikki the Boss. Let's wrap it up. Bring it home. Tyler Hoffman, Saturday. Where are you going here? We're going to go to what is probably historically my favorite race on the Breeders' Cup. It's going to be race nine on the card, the grade one Breeders' Cup mile. And what a fantastic field assembled once again this year. Obviously, the Europeans are, you know, they're, they're the ones that are, I don't want to say the ones to beat, but obviously they always bring a good contingent over and they certainly merit a ton of consideration. I was listening to an interview with trainer Charles Appleby earlier in the day, and he was talking about Space Blues number three being probably his best shot to win a Brewers' Cup race. Morning line favorite at three to one. No reason not to like it. Um, obviously, when you watch the tape of, of Space Blues, he's got a terrific turn of foot in there. Everything you want to see, he's a win machine. He's made $1.5 million in his career. It's hard to poke a lot of holes in him. So I don't think this is necessarily a favorite I can dismiss. I'm going to try to beat them because that's what I do. I don't play the game for favorites. I play the game to beat favorites, but I will use them. That's why they call uh, you the bomb. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to, I want to include him as part of my coverage around my main pick in this race, which is going to be a pricing pick. And it's going to be the number eight hit the road for trainer Dan Blacker. I personally love Dan Blacker as a trainer. I've had the pleasure of speaking with him on, on many occasions. I've had a drink with him before. He's a terrific human being, a terrific horseman, obviously married to Christina Blacker of TVG. Uh, Dan Blacker, if I, if I owned horses, I'd want Dan Blacker training him, put it that way. With that said, Dan Blacker is so ice cold right now. This barn hasn't hit in I can't tell you how long. The last winner he had might have been hit the road on March 6th, which was my birthday in the grade one Frankie Kilroy mile. It's been that long. But if there was ever a time for one win to make up for six months of losses, today would be the day. So hit the road, a couple of reasons why I like him. He loves this Delmar turf course. I've watched him run here. He broke his maiden down here uh, when he was a two-year-old. He loves the seaside air. Reason number two is he has an electrifying turn of foot when he's at his best. He's had some physical problems over the years, but Dan's done a terrific job bringing him back, getting him healthy. And he's always fired his best shot, uh, you know, when he's had the, when he's been healthy. The City Hope Mile that he exits was a small field against couple of common rivals in here, Mo Forza, who's going to take a lot of money. It's kind of the wise guy horse for trainer Peter Miller, uh, as well as Smooth Like Straight, the number two horse for Michael McCarthy, who runs his race every single time. I still believe of the three, there's not a whole lot of difference in here. And from a morning line to get 15 to one on hit the road is too juicy to pass up. I thought his trip in the city of Hope Mile was not a good one. Obviously, the trouble comment line speaks for itself. Pulled first turn, lacked room in the 5 It was worse than that. There was some indecision. Uh, amongst that, and I thought it was a little bit of a poor ride by Florent Giroux that day. As good, nice as a jockey as Florent Giroux is, and as good as he is, 
I don't think he ever quite fit this horse properly. And that's why you're seeing the jockey change the day to Johnny V, which I think is a huge positive. Hit the road, I think, is going to run his best race of the year. He's third off the layoff. He's finally healthy. He's training fantastic. And for all of those reasons, he's going to be the horse that I'm going to key in this race, not only on top, but as well as in the exactas and the trifectas in my contest. Uh, some of the horses I'm going to key around him are going to be the number two, Smooth Like Straight, who fires his race every single time. The way I see this race being run is number 10 blowout, probably gets the lead. Smooth Like Straight is sitting right off him. I can also see him virtually Spoli being super aggressive out of the gates, go take the lead straight from blowout, uh, which wouldn't be a bad thing, by the way. But I think Smooth Like Straight is definitely going to be there at the wire because he always is. Space Blues, for the reasons I already mentioned, is going to be part of the key. Uh, Mo Forza is going to be there uh that was it actually so those are the three horses i'm going to key around hit the road it's gonna be two three six with eight with two three six would be an example of a trifecta i'd play i'd come back with hit the road on top of like straight space blues and more forza so that's eight on top of two three six two three six obviously win bets on hit the road at 15 to one and obviously exact keys with all three of those but hit the road is, is my price playing the breeders cup mile and i expect him to run a big race and it could be a lot of fun for the blacker family this guy's out here slinging verticals. I like it. Uh, Tyler, appreciate you, brother. As always, it's uh, it's something we, we're going to do more horse race. We were talking the other day. We're going to do some more horse racing stuff. It'll just be, you know, hit or miss. It'll be like when we feel like doing some horse racing stuff. And we will. We decided we will. It'll, you know, it'll for happen. For you, I talk about horses anytime you want. I, I love coming on your on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be able to do this with you. I consider you a friend outside of, you know, outside of this. Besides just doing horse racing, we talk sports, and you know, we have the privilege of talking, you know, most days and stuff. And uh, I'd love to be back anytime you. We're going to record something. I'm there. Perfect. And since baseball is going on hiatus till 2024, we got plenty of time where you're not going to be there with the Dodgers. So I thought we were friends. <laughs> well, I'll hit you too soon. Hit you too soon. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Folks, good luck. Hit some wagers this weekend. Hope this uh, show helped out and uh, stay tuned. We got college basketball preview with uh, Spencer Luganville coming up Tuesday. That's the first night of games. There's 175 different teams playing. It's going to be great. Uh, that's an odd number. It doesn't really make sense, but it still does. Uh, so we're going to be covering some uh, plays we like. That'll come out Tuesday morning. And tomorrow, our college football preview drops. So stay tuned. But for Tyler, Nick, Craig, uh, we'll see you next time.